Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth. Notice Paul calls him the all-proficient God. Listen to the words, and God of all comfort. The context is related to the afflictions and sufferings of the believer. There is no comfort that does not come from God. No comfort that doesn't come from God. This comfort is sourced in His mercies if you're a Christian. The word all means anything, everything. It's all-inclusive. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, Pastor Xavier, when we began our series of 1 Corinthians, you described that book as one of confrontation. But the opening sequence today indicates the theme of 2 Corinthians is one of comfort. Yes, the second letter to the Corinthians is altogether different. Being reconciliatory, filled with emotions of love, but polemic at the same time, meaning in nature that it is in defense both of his ministry and apostleship. We might view Paul's plea to be ready and receive him as a type of our Lord's plea and warning that we be found ready by being occupying until he comes, obedient to his word. Yet Paul was on no power trip, for he exposed himself as a mere man like any other, exposing his suffering and his weaknesses. In fact, the second letter to the Corinthians is a gem among God's treasure chests in the Bible. The letter reveals to us many of Paul's sufferings, his difficulties, heartaches that otherwise we would not have. It gives to us great insight into Paul himself as a servant of God and love for the people of God. It is a picture of a spiritual father attempting to reconcile with his impertinent children who think they know more than the father. Paul, in fact, acts out what our Lord describes to be the conduct of a true shepherd, willing to lay down his life for the sheep not a hireling who flees when the wolf comes. Sounds like we're in for some good studies in this new series. And as a matter of fact, we appreciate hearing from the listeners who are being reached. The lessons will be many. And our desire is, in our prayer, that we hear from those who hear these lessons, all these teachings. This is the only way we can measure the effectiveness of the program, and we sure look forward to answering questions or to just uh, further any uh, information regarding studies or your spiritual life. So, drop us a line. All right. Well, we have an email address for just such a purpose, and it's simpletruths at ccpas.com. And one more time, that's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Of course, standard mail works just as well, and our address is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And I'll be repeating all of that at the close of the program. But right now, let's get right into our teaching for today. Human relationships are one of the most difficult and fragile things of life due to the fact that all of us are sinners and self-centered. We love ourselves more than anybody else. That's the tendency. If that is not enough, there's a chance of being misunderstood or judged wrong by having partial information, not to mention the difficulty of communication between people, let alone men and women. We're left and right, black and white, up and down. I tell my wife, Judy, something, and then she responds to it, and I go, how could you get that? She said, well, how could I not? We're two different people. Human relationships are one of the most difficult, but the most rewarding if we work at it. The suffering and pain that can be experienced both mentally, emotionally, and in relationships can be devastating, such has been the case with Paul and the Corinthians. 
Now, Paul the Apostle, in his first letter, came down hard on the Corinthians, as you remember, for their carnal lifestyle, which has uh, resulted in their living in an unholy way, unhealthy way, example of both to Christian and non-Christians. He rebuked them sharply for the lack of spiritual maturity, remember. Their party splits, their pride, their boasting. Their compromise with sexual sin inside the church. He equally answered particular questions they had asked him regarding marriage, meats and sacrifices, regarding the pagan temples, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection, which they questioned. The nature of his first letter was corrective and instructional. The nature of the second letter was reconciliatory. That of an elated father filled with emotions of love, laying his heart bare. Here's where we see the heart of Paul as a shepherd before his children and warning those who were still rebelling. In view of all that had happened between Paul and the Corinthians, he opens up his letter revealing the faithfulness of God to comfort him and his co-laborers through their spiritual and physical sufferings that affected their emotions. You are body, soul, and spirit. Your soul is intellect, emotion, and will. When you lived in the world, you lived by your intellect and emotions, okay? And you made decisions by that. Ladies, you're on top of the list, okay? Not by mistake, but purposely created like that. You're more caring, you're more loving to solidify the home, you understand? But the fall has made it even worse. And our whole culture has, has corrupted our minds and the culture of, the, of the America because you get it from books, you get it from magazines, you get it from TV, you get it from the shrinks, you get it from education, you get it from TV, everywhere. That you're to love yourself and that you're to make decisions by your emotions and you for, forget the facts because decisions are made on emotions and not truth and facts. And so... We want to look at Paul's admiration of God's comfort, which is characterized in three ways here. Let me read verse 3 down to 7. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation which is effective for enduring the same suffering which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, you also will be partakers or partake of the consolation. Paul's admiration of God's comfort is characterized in three ways. First, in verse 3 and 4, you have the proclamation regarding comfort. Verse 5 and 6, the explanation regarding comfort. And then in 7, you have the exhortation regarding comfort. The proclamation, explanation, and the exhortation. One, two, three, he lays it out. Let's begin here. The proclamation regarding comfort, verse 3 and 4. Notice in verse 3, the Apostle Paul declared the identity of the one who provides the comfort. Don't miss it. He calls him the God and Father of Jesus. Blessed be 
the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek has the article, one article, the God and Father, making them a unit, not two separate individuals. The phrase is found throughout Paul's epistles in Romans and Corinthians, 2 Corinthians and Ephesians. Even Peter mentioned it. There's other places. So it's not an isolated thing. This does not mean that Jesus is not God, nor less than God, because some people will point that out. They'll try to say, well, you know, and they'll try to take deity away from Christ. No, the Greek is very, very clear. In fact, the Greek scholar Lenski points this out very clearly. For Jesus, in his human nature, God is his God. And in his deity, God is his Father. The Father is his God since the incarnation and his Father from all eternity. That's the relationship between the two. In fact, Jesus called the Father God, and God the Father calls Jesus God. I'm going to give you two texts, but there are many, many. But just if these were the only ones, that's enough. In Matthew 27, 46, Jesus is on the cross. He says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What do you say? My God, my God. Jesus calls the Father God. Then in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 8, God the Father calls Jesus God. But to the Son, he said, God the Father, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. If those were the only ones, I need no other. But they're just two of many, many. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, notice, ties the Father to the redemptive work of the Savior for salvation. You cannot separate them. The Lord, Kurios, Master, Jesus, Jehovah Shua, Yahweh of salvation. The Greek name of the Hebrew name, Joshua. Christ, deity, the anointed Messiah, the one promised to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15, Isaiah 14, Isaiah 53, and many, many others. The comfort spoken about is to those who are heirs of salvation. The word salvation appears twice in verse 6. The Corinthians were saved. They accept the gospel. Now notice Paul calls him a tender, loving father, the father of mercies. The picture is one who has given life to another through conception and moved with compassion, passionate love for his child. Even in our fallenness, our evilness, the natural thing, even you may be insensitive and rude and evil to others, that you will have mercy and compassion to your own family, your own children. When we cross that line, then we really become unnatural, okay? And we're even shocked at it as sinners. The word for mercies means compassion, pity. Vows in which compassion resides, a heart of compassion and emotions and longing to manifest pity in a tangible way. In fact, the old King James many times translates it, the bowels, meaning your visceral area. Because when you're involved emotionally, something of, of bad relationships or problems, where does it get you? Your gut. The word is in the plural Describing the sufficiency to meet the need at hand. Plenty of them. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 118 uh, repeats the phrase, His mercy endures forever, and many other psalms also. 
In fact, Exodus um, 34, 6, um, the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. That's Old Testament. Lamentations 3, 32. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Lamentations 3.23. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, those texts from the Lamentations, remember, is when Jeremiah is outside the city, crying over the city that's going to be destroyed and going into captivity. And he says, God's mercies are new every morning. Wow. Notice Paul calls him the all-proficient God. Listen to the words, and God of all comfort. The word comfort appears 10 times from verse 3 to 7 in two different forms. Paraclesis, four times parakaleo, meaning to come alongside or to summon one. The context is related to the afflictions and sufferings of the believer. The same root is for the Holy Spirit, as you know. Jesus spoke to the disciples the night before he was betrayed in John 14, 15, and 16. He spoke about the parakaleo, the Holy Spirit, to come alongside, one just like him. There is no comfort that does not come from God. No comfort that doesn't come from God. This comfort is sourced in his mercies if you're a Christian. The word all means anything, everything. It's all-inclusive. Notice Paul calls for the high praise of the God and Father of Jesus for his resourcefulness of compassion and all comfort. The word blessed there means to speak well of someone. It's a Semitic formula of expression. That's its root. It's the same word that we get the word eulogy from. When you go to eulogize somebody at a funeral, you go to speak well of them. Notice the Apostle Paul declared the extent and purpose of the comfort in verse 4. Paul stated the extent to be all-encompassing, the God of all mercies, comforts us in every difficulty. Listen to his words. Who comforts us in all our tribulations. Don't confuse the all-sufficiency of God's mercies and comfort which is the source with the extent of the comfort mentioned here in all our tribulations. One is the source, the other one is the effect. The word tribulations, as you know, means pressing together. Pressure causing affliction, pain, or discomfort. And that involves our emotions. Now, if we're not careful... We will be prone to make decisions based on our emotional feelings and the situation and the circumstance rather than the word of God. Rather than the comfort that God has given us and direction he's given us that lines up with his word. This is the problem with many Christians. Now in the world it's a given. But Christians who make decisions based on their emotions and circumstance situation, then they mess their life up. All right? The word appears three times in verse 4 and 6, translated tribulation, trouble, and afflicted. One of the discomforts that Paul and others were going through was due to the carnal state of the Corinthians and the way they were conducting themselves towards Paul. You can identify with Paul. If you're a parent, 
You know exactly what he's talking about. You know his hurt. But he didn't respond in revenge or anger. He realized they were immature. He realized he knew what was best for them, so he stuck to his guns. The extent of discomfort had been experienced by them, notice. The pronoun us refers to Paul and Timothy as God comforted them. The comfort provided by God in their distress that had caused pain. Yet, it was sufficient as he came alongside them to not be carried away with what? Their emotions and the situation. Here's the test all the time for you and I. To stay within that steadfast abiding. Trusting the word. The comfort had been there for every distress. No exception. Notice Paul stated the purpose behind the comfort of God. In all our tribulation was for the sake, listen, of others. You see, here's your culture. Here's the American culture. California culture. You, 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 mm, me, myself, and I. Trinity of darkness. No, the Bible says it's others. This is not all about me or you. The church is corrupted culturally. The emergent church is the leading factor of this. Christian psychology is another factor of it. You've got to have good theology or you're going to live out bad Christian living. Listen to his words. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The personal reception of comfort from God brings personal responsibility and accountability. We who have been comforted by God by personal experience. We will be able to comfort others in any trouble, every, all. Okay? So he's focusing on what they went through, and therefore they can identify with others and comfort them. But we're going to see that this is not absolute in the only way, and there's a danger in just taking that side of the coin. This is heads. There's a tail side, okay? And we'll get to that in application. Now, the measure is to be in the same comfort they had received notice, knowing the kind of pressure and affliction, thereby being merciful as their God. When you've gone through things and you know that now you're no longer self-righteous, right? So there is a legitimate aspect to experience, but we have to be careful that we don't teach because of experience alone, all right? Recognizing human weakness, yielding to the divine empowerment. Now, Two things are tied together throughout the passage. The tribulation and comfort. And the comfort received and the comfort given. You can't separate them. An anonymous author expressed it this way. Listen. He knows the bitter, weary way. He knows the endless striving day by day. He knows how hard the fight has been. The clouds that come are lies between. The wounds the world has never seen, he knows. He knows a thought so full of bliss. For though our joys on earth we miss, we still can bear it feeling this. He knows. Life is not about emotions, ladies and gentlemen. But life has to deal with emotions, situations, circumstances. Comfort does not always mean altering or doing away with the situation, by the way. 
Jesus told Peter in John 21, 18, that when he was old, he was going to be taken where he didn't want to go, talking about his form of death, crucifixion. Sometimes God removes the difficulty. Other times God has us resist and be victorious through the difficulty. And yet at other times still, God has us go through very difficult, heavy warfare to make us more like him and to keep us humble. He's all wise. Your pastor looks back 39 years. I can see me kicking and yelling and threatening God in so many different ways. And now I see his wisdom. I go, Lord, you're so good. You are so faithful. The comfort that has been experienced is certainly helpful to be effective in that you have imparted what you have made your own. Second Timothy 2.6 says that a husband must first be partakers of his fruit, so you cannot give what you do not have. But that's only half the truth, okay? And it's, and it's a valid truth because if you're demanding something of others that you yourself are not willing to do, then you're a hypocrite, you're like a Pharisee. So it has a legitimacy. But there's a caution here. At this point, we don't have to experience what that person has gone through personally to be effective counselors for God, to give them comfort. First of all, no person will ever experience all things that every person goes through. Secondly, no person experiences the same thing the same way or responds and is affected. You can give the same test to four people and have four different responses, four different effects. We're individuals. That's the problem with psychology. <laughs> they contradict each other. If a person is taught that they are qualified only if they experience what others have experienced, then what you're doing is you are actually destroying the confidence and trust of the majority of Christians that solely depend upon God and His Word. I don't have to have been a heroin addict to be able to minister to you, to bring comfort to you. So there's a caution there. You have to be careful. It is God who takes care of them, not you. Very important. The only and ultimate qualification is that we direct the person to abide in Christ and trust in him. John 15, 5. By obeying the scriptures, which is a very hard thing for some Christians, they want the product, but they don't want the process. <laughs> Listen to me. You like good cake? You like the product? You got to follow the procedures. You got to go through the process. By totally depending upon the Holy Spirit of God, not themselves. By denying the old man, wrecking them dead. Romans 6, 6, 6, 11. Daily. I am not the comforter. God is. Yet I may be used to comfort others. Or someone. But I point them to the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, to God. By pointing them to the word. Trust the Lord. Abide in the word. So the proclamation regarding comfort reveals it is for the sake of what? Other believers. What a foreign gospel it sounds to a lot of people today. Because so much gospel in the church is about you. It's not about you or me. This comfort for others. Yet God is faithful to you. And what you're doing is you're promoting God. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with an important reminder of where true comfort comes from, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can request a copy of today's most important study from 2 Corinthians called Comfort for Suffering. It's available on CD for just $4. We've only heard the first half of this important message and plan on hearing the conclusion next time. But if you'd like to hear it in its complete unedited format, ask for the title, Comfort for Suffering. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or send your emails to simpletruths at ccpas.com. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station however you get in touch. Be sure to tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us much more about the comfort available during the difficulties in life. That's right here on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 